GM scouts end up with a lingo that's all their own in yeah. a sense. But yeah. I, I'm just glad to hear you say the only reason I even brought it up was to see if you had heard it no. and you didn't give the, oh, yeah, blockers and movers. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, that concept's I been talked about anymore. for a long time. My younger self would have done that, but not anymore. I have never heard Wayne Tinkle, Carrie Rupp, yeah. anybody else in all my years, <clears throat> Richie McKay, Jay John, Eddie Payne, Craig Robinson, Wayne <laughs> Tinkle, Kevin Mouton. I have never heard anyone say, well, you know, in our blockers and movers scheme, we... Right, right. Um, I've never heard anyone say you, it, but you, I read it last night. Do you remember... I've lived through, and you have too because you're older than me, we have lived through the change in terminology from point guard, off guard, small forward, power forward, and center to one, two, three, four, and five. And it's funny because when the changes are made, everyone acts like it's it's, it's not, always been with it's us. always been with yeah. us, and it hasn't. No, I, there was a time not. when if you said, "Well, the two guard," people would have looked at you like, "What are you talking about?" Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also remember a time when the middle linebacker was the middle linebacker, not the Mike, right, or and, the Mac. Uh, well, oh, it's now the Mac. Because it used Depends. to be the Mike linebacker. Well, I know. And now weak side, you know, all of the these. The Will and the Sam and exa- the Mac exactly. and the Mike and the. Exactly. I know. You're right. Terminology changes I was working don't. for the Portland Forest Dragons when I first heard that terminology, 1996, mm-hmm. 97. Yeah. And someone said the Mike linebacker and I didn't say anything. Like <laughs> oh, you never yeah. do. Yeah, I mean, sure. what kid raises their hand in class and says, I don't understand. <laughs> The kid that gets his, he gets a wedgie at recess. <laughs> so I just kind of looked around and, okay, all right, fine. I'll figure this out. And then, and then a few more things are said and asked, and then you can figure it out. By the way, young Josh, who represents the younger set in our mm-hmm. station here, we were texting back and forth because I had a computer issue, which, by the way, Josh, I figured it out. Um, but while we were texting, he answered your question and said, I haven't heard of blockers and movers good. for the record it, either. Okay, good. I'm glad it, it, requires further exploration just to see what what they're what exact why you know why why such terminology be is being used to describe the offensive approach that tony bennett apparently toyed with the other night but as i was reading about it the upshot seems to be and it does seem to be of a piece with what we've been talking about yeah and by the way we're going to be talking with sam vidlak's dad here in a few minutes mark vidlak his offensive coordinator his position coach, Sam's father, had a good conversation with Mark earlier this morning. He will join us here in a few minutes good. to talk about the pride of Applegate, Hidden Valley High School coming to Oregon State, and just the, the really amazing story that his recruitment took on. So he'll join us in a moment. The upshot I get with the movers, the blockers and movers, is what we've been hearing more and more about. So it's a, it's of a piece with the game that mm-hmm. we are now. When you talk about one through five, and you know, point guard, shooting guard, one guard, two guard, you know, three and a four, small power, five, the center. Right. Terminology is constantly changing. The positions and the responsibilities and so on don't per se. It's just the way you refer to them right. has changed. Right. But we are now the term I see everywhere at all levels. In you know, he's a great guy for our positionless approach. Positionless. Uh, well, you know basketball. where I first heard that was last week or two weeks ago with Terry Porter. Yeah, no, we talked. Well, I brought it up to him in an era of you know, do you, what do you make of that? And he went with it, and his guys all could do similar things. Yeah, and 
what the upshot of the Tony Bennett, what's he, what offense was he running? Mm-hmm. The upshot is apparently, you know, this idea that anybody can do anything and you just come up the floor together and a power forward, a traditional four right. can take it off the glass and go. Mm-hmm. Anybody can, can do that. Anybody can post up. Anybody can cut. Anybody can shoot the three. <laughs> We're in an era of positionless basketball. And that's the way the game is trending and going. And Tony, even though he has principles and a much more structured approach at both ends of the court, the sense this writer was saying is Tony doesn't want to be left behind either if there are some concepts in the blockers and movers approach that could help him win another national championship then he'll he'll use them even if it goes against his own gut instinct so to speak as a more structured coach a little more fluidity freelancing reading and playing and it got me thinking of the time-honored way of playing rat ball pickup ball when you get a group of four or five guys women, whatever, you're playing in an open gym. Yeah. What offense do you run? Pass and pick away. That's, That's right. It. Pass and pick away. Yeah. Hey, what are we? Guard, guard who guards you, pass and pick away, and go, man, go, woman, go. That will create all the motion you need. Yes. To pass one direction and go somewhere right. else and set a pick. Because you set that pick, that guy is now open, mm-hmm. he gets the ball, pass and pick, and then you get cutters. Right. And you get cutters to the basket. But what good is a cutter to the basket if everybody wants to launch a three? <laughs> The modern era, Doc, modern times, Chaplin made a film about it that was pretty good. Another one could be made about the game of basketball. Modern times revisited. It's a different game. The nomenclature, verbiage, all of that is also different. We talk about things remaining the same, and I still kind of buy into that on a fundamental level and the things that still apply always. But it is a different game. It's a different game than what Ralph coached. It's a different game than when Dr. Jack and John Wooden and others coached. It's different in the way it's played. Tony Bennett is such a great coach that he doesn't want to be, quote, left behind on any concept that players are playing at the young age. He's got to recruit players. He's got to find players. And these players are playing in this positionless era. Do we have time for me to ask you a question? Well, what time is it on the fan? 20? Yeah, you ask me the question, then we'll come back with Mark Vidlak. So if I'm watching game, and I was over at Gil Coliseum sitting next to you, Mm -hmm. and I see something that I know Ralph would have hated, Okay. does this mean, on what you just said, does it mean that if Ralph were sitting there watching that, he wouldn't get upset because he would say, well, it's a different game? I think he might, actually. I don't think so. I'd say, what are you doing, Sonny? He always said, Sonny. He did. And he would be right, but I think there comes a point where some of the old school approaches, the thinkers who've taught and lived a certain way, come to a point where it's it's almost it's almost not worth fighting the battle anymore, that you have to pick your battles and fights about which ver- verity of the game and principle are you going to demand always and drill it and practice it that way. But if, if the milieu is what, what we see in the game these days, I'm interested, I'm going to follow up with what did you see that would yeah. have made Ralph mad. Yeah. But there comes a point, I think, with a lot of these coaches where time is limited, the opportunity to implement philosophy and system more limited these days. Maybe, maybe there's a shrug. Well, it isn't how we used to do it. It's the way the game's played today. I don't like it, but we're going to have okay, to make but, it work somehow. But what you just did okay. in that one-act play, that right yeah. there where the sigh, yeah. would you ever see... A Phipps or a, or a, or Sonny Long or a, or a Ralph Miller sigh and give up like that? Are you kidding no, me? No, no, no. But there would be a 
a, in a sense, a chipping away and a steady evolution into the acceptance of what is new. I think they're all Colonel Jessup's and would go down saying. Well, but they see, would the never problem change. is Jessup did go down. Well, these you guys know, died I mean, and retired know, he, before they went down. <laughs> he ordered. You're darn right. I ordered it. That's right. You no, know, I mean, in the end, in the end, if you don't change with the times, you're in. A, you could be in some trouble. And so I think Ralph, Tony, Bet, whatever they. they they want to keep winning games, and if if Tony would go against some time honored principles on offense, a more structured approach, uh-huh. in order to get players who play a different kind of game, he's going to at least take a look at it. He may, in the end, say, "We're, we're going to only recruit players that play the way I want to well, play." Well, up, up until last year, I don't know if he's changed this year, but up until last year, he plays the the yes. methodical old yes, school does. style of basketball, and that's why the scores are in the 40s and 50s. But he had blockers and movers the other night, John. Okay, what was the thing you saw that exasperated? A player you? dribbled a lot, just dribbled around, and then eventually dribbled all the way around and underneath and into the key under the basket and got tied up by three defenders. Okay. Well, I, we won't name the player. Are you the, telling the me thing. that Ralph would be okay with that? <laughs> no, I'm not. I am not. No, but I'm. I'm just saying that uh, w- the game is different. I the didn't times say which are different. Team it was. Yeah, no, I know. And and the Beavers did a great job to dig that thing out yesterday. Yeah, it was not did. looking good early, down yeah. thirteen to nothing, but then outscored UTSA twenty-seven to ten over the last seven, seven minutes, minutes. Because yeah. what's lost, even down thirteen nothing, they were down five with seven twenty to play, right? And outscored them twenty-seven to ten and took control of the game at both ends of the court. Wareth Alatiche, I know he wasn't the leading scorer and all of that, but he had a stretch, John, where I thought his game was at a level that's very intriguing yeah. for what he can bring. And he is a podcast guest for us this week. He, We're going to learn more about him. He had a mini slump, mini slump, and that was good. Even though yes. it was only 13 points, that was good to get him out of it. We'll break and come back and talk about yesterday's recruiting news, which made official something we've known and been excited about for a long time out of Hidden Valley High School in Applegate, Oregon. Sam Bidlack, officially now part of the uh, Oregon State football program, and will be enrolling January 3rd and getting ready to go to work on it. We'll visit with Sam's offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach, and dad, Mark, next on 1240 Joe Radio. We said- Angry Beaver Grill is open for dine-in and carry-out Tuesdays through Fridays at 3 p.m., Saturdays beginning at noon, and Sundays for breakfast beginning at 9.30, with happy hour specials daily from 3 to 5. Take in the Beavers, every Pac-12 game, and NFL Sunday ticket on Angry Beaver's 22 big screens every weekend. Try all the Angry Beaver favorites, including their Reuben and French dip sandwiches, the Gables Recipe Chicken Bisque Soup, and Garlic Croutons. And don't miss Angry Beaver's Salmon and Prime Rib Dinners every Friday. Support local at Angry Beaver Grill on 4th Street in downtown Corvallis. So I'm in the living room watching the game and I hear a horrible sound. You know, since it's raining, today'd be a good day to refinish that floor or get the tile up in the kitchen. I would, but I don't have all the equipment. 
that's no excuse. You can rent everything you need from Philomath Rental. And since they're open seven days a week, you can go out there today. Darn you, Philomath Rental. Philomath Rental, next to Landmark Realty, one and a half miles west of the Sunset Shopping Center. For tools and equipment for home, farm, and business, stop by Philomath Rental. Don't miss the holiday sale at Donabella Fine Lingerie on now with 20% off all robes, sleepwear, and jewelry. Donna Bella is holiday at its best. Start the season with great savings on stocking stuffers and holiday luxury for that special lady in your life. We offer gift certificates and great advice. We gift wrap for free to make your holiday shopping easy. Don't miss the holiday sale at Donna Bella Fine Lingerie on now with 20% off all robe, sleepwear, and jewelry on 2nd Street in downtown Corvallis. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show. Mike Parker with John Warren. And a young man that we've grown increasingly excited about during his journey to officially become an Oregon State student-athlete, Oregon State Beaver player, which happened yesterday in the first uh, three days of the early signing period out of Hidden Valley High School quarterback Sam Vidlak, who went from (laughs) an intriguing FCS sleeper to, according to one recruiting guru, a borderline four-star talent over the nine-month period. I don't, I don't put too much stock in stars, and right. recru- but the, it is true that writer does characterize a fascinating story about Sam Vidlak, who, whose dad, Mark, the offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach, head baseball coach at Hidden Valley High School in Applegate, knows the story, of course, very well and is kind enough to join us this morning on the Joe Beaver Show. Mark, good morning. Congratulations to to Sam, to you and the whole family. That must have been an exciting day for it all to become official for your son yesterday. Yeah, good morning. And, uh, yeah, we're fired up about uh, this opportunity and uh, excited to be a part of uh, Oregon State and uh, ready to have Sam get up there and get to work. We look forward to talking more about that in a moment. But I brought you in with that sort of... uh, the writer, I think it might have been Andrew Nemec from Oregon Live, who characterized it that way. But what about this story from Sam's emergence as a guy you were telling me this morning, Southern Oregon was sort of first to say, hey, we'd like you to come play for us. Then it went to Montana. Then Oregon State comes in. Could you tell us a little bit as his dad, his coach and all of that, how that sort of uh, played out? Yeah, we, we just weren't real big on doing the, the big circuit stuff. We just uh, felt that uh, we would go to a, a few places. And, um, you know, if, if I think if you're good enough, people will find you. And, you know, the people who saw him throw in person as he matured and, uh, you know, got taller and, and bigger and saw him throw in person, they, they liked what they saw. Um, I'm not real big either on the stars thing. I think... Um, there's so many things that can't be measured by um, just looking at a person. And I think obviously throwing and physical size, but to the quarterback position with, you know, leadership, the intangibles and competitiveness. And there's a lot of things that aren't going to be measured that in that position are absolutely critical. Mark Vidlak, Sam Vidlak's dad and coach joining us here on the Joe Beaver show. Mark, is there something though, too, being a late bloomer or a sleeper somehow, and, and you're in a small town, I, I've always believed that recruiters, scouts, and so on find you anywhere 
but it may be not as easy to find someone such as your son at Hidden Valley and Applegate. So is there something to maybe being under the radar in a small town, even though in this age there's a lot of information freely shared? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, at the end of the day there's a fine line with, um, you know, how you know individuals want to uh, fasten their, their uh, recruiting stuff, but for us, that's just kind of how we we did it was to go to a few different places and just work real hard and you know be committed to to taking care of what we were responsible for and what we're in charge of and what we can control and you know there's a lot of people out there that that I don't think understand that and I think they're always looking for the next thing and you know our thing was we wanted to be really good where we were and as time went um, some people saw Sam that. Um, you know, were good at what they did in their profession, and they liked it. And when whether it was Coach Fosnot at at uh, SOU or Coach Rosenbaugh at uh, Montana or Brian Lindgren, they all when they saw him liked him and offered him. And so, um, you know, it's not about getting as many offers or, or all that stuff. It's about finding the right fit and and. We, we know that we've done that with Oregon State. It's a great uh, program. Who wouldn't want to play for Coach Smith and for Coach Lindgren? Those are great competitors and great guys, so we're excited. Coach, there was a physical, I mean, a big growth spurt right at some point. I When the interest in him first began, he was 5'7". But what, where does he look now, and did the growth spurt sort of go along with the big production and numbers in your offense, and did the interest grow, in a sense, commensurately with his own physical growth spurt? Yeah, I think so. He, he uh, just, you know, as a between his freshman and sophomore year, he really grew. He went from being essentially a boy to, um, you know, he ended up sprouting up, and now he's about 6'2", and... You know, he's almost 190 now. And uh, so, I, yeah, you have to physically be able to play, obviously. And and so, you know, he, he's reached that, I think, without being able to get to that basic height and weight requirements, people aren't going to recruit you. And so that was a big deal for him. Well, how was the process of, of those, what, five inches, six inches? I mean, did yeah. he keep all of the skills and all of the speed and, and the movement, or did he have to work through that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it just, yeah, I mean, he just developed and he still kept his coordination and just works real hard at, at, at his athletics. And so, you know, it wasn't like when he grew that much, he became uncoordinated. It was kind of the opposite. I kind of felt that sometimes late bloomers learn how to compete because they're not the biggest, strongest people at the beginning, but, uh, you know, they learn how to compete and be, savvy and tough with what they have and then when those kids develop late it ends up being to be a pretty special thing and his junior year he basically was you know six one something like that at that point and you know that was no longer an issue with him and then when people saw him as well wow, you really grew yeah. so you know yeah mark did it any other pac-12 teams show interest after oregon state did yeah but i'm, I'm not gonna get it yeah we did but it wasn't it was hard enough for us to flip to, you know, from Montana to yeah. Oregon State, and you know, just uh, being able to to do that was because of the quality of people at Oregon State and the constant communication. And 
you know, it wasn't like we were going to go around and around and, and do this merry-go-round thing. It mm-hmm. was, you know, Oregon State felt like such a perfect fit offensively as we got to know Coach Smith and Coach Lindgren, Coach Cookus. They just, I, how can you not be a fan of those guys? I mean, yeah. I know they have a job to do. They're super competitive, but, uh, man, they sure sold, sold us on just, uh, being genuine people and, and they're actually after high character people in their program. And yeah, they got to win, but they want to do it the right way. And it, it sounded like a fantastic fit for us. So. Mark Vidlak joining us. Well, I want to talk about your offense in a moment, but just one other thing that to ask about with respect to, the the growing interest in Sam that came about, and we're so grateful that you've laid out for us just about, yeah, even with that, and even after the Oregon State offer and other interest coming, he, you guys all felt solid with the, the people at Oregon State. But one guy that we have visited with before in this process, Coach, was Alex Brink, the co-owner of E-Force and a private quarterback coach. Apparently, Alex either saw or worked with, I'm not sure which, but before Sam's junior year and then at a 7-for-7 camp, here's what Alex said, quote, I thought he was one of the best clean throwers I've seen in a long time. The ball explodes from his hand. He was hyper-competitive with a chip on his shoulder that I loved. I felt strongly that he was a Pac-12 talent and just needed to get in front of those coaches, unquote. Pretty high endorsement from Alex. Did did that evaluation, I mean, what, how significant at all is that in his work with Alex and maybe even Alex spreading the word about, hey, there's a real guy down at Hidden Valley? <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting thing. We didn't, uh, you know, know Alex. Sam went up and was just looking to do some off-season work, and so he went to one of those seven-on-seven combine deals, and, you know, he performed very well, and Alex was the guy running it, and, you know, I, I, I don't know who Alex called or what happened from there, but obviously he's a known quantity um, in the Pac-12 and um, in the state of Oregon, you know, with his, uh, his playing career, and, you know, he really – liked what he saw with Sam. And so since then, him and Sam have developed a relationship where, you know, Sam was up there last weekend, did two days with him. And, you know, um, Alex is a great human being. He's played at that level. I think he's a really good fundamental teacher. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if Alex called Coach Smith or Coach Lindgren. I don't know that stuff. I've never asked. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's my business. But I think when you get a guy that has that, level of success that's not like uh just anybody i think if if alex i think alex knows and so i think if he he calls somebody or if somebody calls him i i would imagine that they they uh would value his opinion yes mark vidlak joining us here on the joe beaver show mark i'm 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 as a father myself i am uh very curious how it worked to be position coach and coordinator for your son i mean the dynamics how, how was it did it work well with you two yeah well first of all you know i've coached at hidden valley since you know 1999 and so i was a coach way before you know sam was born and and you know as you know he grew up he's been around the game a bunch but um as far as the the dynamics of of how it worked it's some of the greatest memories that him and i'll have is is those times it was you know, he's a respectful young man for us in our program. What we expect kids to do and what I expect out of our quarterbacks is, uh, you know, you, you've got to 
obviously mastered the offense. You have to be um, completely prepared and give effort and all those things. And Sam certainly has always done that. Uh, we have great memories. I mean, um, you know, I, I those memories of getting to coach him and you know my other my other son that's up there right now. Um, they're just wonderful, great father son experiences and and coach. It's just uh, it was tremendous, super fun. Well, game that, planning and all those things, yeah, of fun. And that's yeah. that's great. That's great. But. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the land, sons, even daughters, to their parents, uh, you know, like Michael Jordan's kid could have said to the greatest basketball player in the world, yeah, Dad, but that's not what my coach says. <laughs> so you, you were blessed, let me just put it that way, to have it work out so well. Yeah. yeah. Well, Mark Vidlak joining us. What kind of offense, as the coordinator, did, did you run? How does it compare? I noted that you know, 24-7 has Sam as the nation's number 18 pro-style quarterback. So I take it you have a pro-style offense. What, what is it that you do run? Is it similar to what Jonathan and Coach Lindgren run? Yeah, it's a, it's a multiple offense where, uh, you know, we obviously are a spread team. Um, but, you know, we go under center. We go out of the eye. We run with tight ends. And, you know, I think that was a big deal to them. Um, Sam's been taking snaps from under since he's been in the seventh grade, but we're not just a traditional I team. You know, we, we're actually we're going to spread it and we're going to we're going to throw it. And um, you know, the, I think our offense is very very similar to Oregon State's in that you know um, we expect our quarterback to get under um, and, and to be able to understand all the footwork in accordance to that and and do those things. I know one of the modern things with the modern spread offenses is that some of these young men are um, coming out of high school and have never taken a snap from under. And I, I just philosophically disagree with that. I mean, it's, you know, it could be fourth and six inches and they're still from the shotgun. And I don't understand for me. I just don't understand that. Don't agree with it. You know, so we get under and um, it's very similar to uh, their offense. Um, and some of their concepts are tried and true. Obviously they, as a you know, collegiate program, have a lot more depth than you're able to get to at a high school level. But um, some of the things that we run with the play action stuff and the influence it has on the linebackers, it's it's similar. So yeah, yeah. Chance Nolan was better served to go under center and sneak a quarter of an inch than he would have been out of shotgun <laughs> in the rivalry game, which we'll close and talk about here in a moment and how that impacted your household watching it and Sam getting, sure. you know, trying to get everybody on board, rallied around. Hey, you just saw who won the game. Let's all go together to Oregon State. I thought that was a, a great follow-up story on his part. But yeah. before that, what about Sam and your offense in terms of plays with his legs? Do you build those things in? Does he make decisions on his own? Or are there plays where you design them to, to use his athletic ability that way? Yeah, we, you know, with our, um, we, we ran with him three or four times a game. Um, you know, the, the thing with us is um, in our system with what we had going um, we we wanted to pick and choose when we did that, and it wasn't like we were a pure zone read team, and and you know that was on the option on the table every time we ran the football. It was more um, intentional with when he chose to do that, and, and it was more aligned with uh, where we were at in the game and those things, and um, you know picking and choosing uh, when we we're going to use his athleticism, and so um, 
you know, I, I just think his be- his biggest strength is um, his accuracy, his arm strength, and decision making. And so, um, in our seasons, you know, we we can pick up two or three yards um, using his arms rather than his legs all the time. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Did uh, Sam play baseball for you? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Pitcher and a shortstop, or middle infielder, pitcher, middle infielder. Yeah, he was a. Uh, he was a middle infielder and uh, a pitcher. Yep, going to definitely miss him uh, this year. It, you know, that's one of the sacrifices he's making. We have a tremendous team, and and uh, we certainly won't replace him, but that's part of the deal. But he wants to get up here. In fact, you were saying, I mean, January 3rd, he enrolls and is ready to go. He'll miss, thus, baseball for you in his senior year. That's a, that's a choice. But it's one he, you are comfortable with, even if you miss his skill set on the diamond. Does that feel to you like the right thing for him right now? Yeah, it's it's a happy, sad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more of a you, you just it, you know, as a parent and as a coach, you don't. It's not what we expected. We were thinking, you know, ready for June, and then as things kind of unfolded with COVID, no seasons guaranteed, and and this and that, and so. Um, you know, just the opportunity to get up there and have more of a soft start with learning the offense without a ton of pressure in the beginning part, meeting his teammates and, and going that route. And, you know, I think he's ready. You know, it's, it's time to go. And so uh, at the end of the day, you know, he's an adult now and he's going to make those decisions. And we understand that, you know, there's sacrifices involved with um, things. And sometimes those are short-term sacrifices for hopefully long-term gains and going to get up there he's going to compete his tail off and uh let the fur fly and see where it lands right coach final thing from me um is there a a slight sense i know it's it's a big loss you want him there you want him running your offense you want him on your baseball team but you now get to be just a dad and let someone else take over and watch him play from the stands as a father is there a silver lining there yeah so First of all, the first part of that is that his younger brother Nate is is a junior this year, and he'll be our quarterback now. <laughs> Good for so you. From Hidden Valley, we're going to start all over again and <laughs> get to go that route. I have four sons, so um, pretty cool. Nate's super excited. He's had a tremendous amount of success. So, but for Sam at OSU, absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait just to you know he's released. You know, it is what it is. You trust those guys, and whether that means he plays immediately or or never or in his senior year or whatever it is you know that's based on their evaluation of him and when he's ready and ready not i'm going to sit back and enjoy it as a dad not as a coach last thing from me as well and mark we really appreciate getting to know you and your time today look forward to meeting sam Uh, after the 41 38 victory what a thrilling game it was for the beavers in the rivalry game the day after thanksgiving andrew nemick of oregon live wrote a story about you and your family watching that with great relish and joy. And how and Nemec points out that Sam's been a very active recruiter on behalf of where he has chosen to go to school and said, uh, Sam has quoted, I think we're real close on a few targets. I think this one will help ripple into recruiting. So Sam's not only committed himself as a recruit, it sounds like that win resonated with you guys watching it together in hopes that it'll be a springboard of sorts. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's it was awesome. It just felt like uh, such a big win, and how they did it uh, coming back in the fourth quarter. You could see the the heart of those athletes. 
you know, everybody knows what those coaches put into it at that level. Um, you know, it wasn't like they ran three trick plays. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, they kind of grinded them down. And, and, man, if you coach, you understand what it took to get those guys to believe in that and to finish that way. What an awesome victory, man. Yeah. It was blue collar from those guys. And uh, I bet you those guys in the program, those players from the coaches and everybody involved, you just got to love it. And um, easy to cheer for. How can you not be a fan to those guys? And, um, you know, it just felt, I, you know, they put a ton into that. All those guys do. And, you know, nobody, I saw the pre, we all saw the pre, pre-game predictions. I mean, yeah, it fires you up. Mm-hmm. You know, it, mm-hmm. yeah, the thing is, is based on stars and stuff. When you get to college, nobody cares how many stars you had. Nobody cares <laughs> what you did in high school. Right. It's based on what you do when you're there. And it seemed to me like those, the, the Beavers had a chip on their shoulder and something to prove. And that was a beautiful thing. That's why people like athletics. So it fired us all up. Yeah, I can sense that. And I like what Alex Brink said, too, as we close, that he, your son, hyper-competitive with a chip on his shoulder that I loved. So that sense of, okay, small town, Applegate, you're proud of, of, of your community and your town. But that chip on the shoulder, it sounds like Alex noticed Sam will bring. It's not out of anger or bitterness, but it's just out of, hey, we, I can do this. We can do this together. I love that. That's an Oregon State attitude. It sounds like it fits right in here, Mark. It's the exact same story from where we're at. We, we don't live in Grants Pass. We live in Applegate. We're the small school and this and that. Well, I, I get that with, with OSU. That's some of the reasons why we think it's such a great fit. And, uh, you know, we're not front runners. We're blue-collar people. We come from a family of bricklayers. And, uh, you know, well well done is better than well said. And so uh, we're gonna, Sam's going to get up there, and we're excited for us being a part of that program. And, can't wait to cheer on on the beers. We are too, Mark. Thank you for your time today on the show, and we look forward to meeting Sam here soon, we hope, when we can interact again with coaches and student-athletes. It's been a strange time, but we, we're yeah. glad he's coming, and thank you for taking time to lend some perspective as a coach and a dad and, and somebody that is excited about the days ahead. Thank you, Mark, for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks, nice Coach. To meet you. Mark Vidlack. Head uh, baseball coach at Hidden Valley High School. Has anyone here, John, I'm going to ask you as we go to break, have you ever been to Applegate? No. I have not either. That I know of. And and I asked, and I wasn't going to get into it because I didn't want to argue in any way. Paul, anyone? Has anyone ever been? Is there a town, Applegate, Oregon? And that was the question I wondered. I, I thought it was an unincorporated kind of thing. But he said, no, we have a town with the post office, and the population's about 3,000. So is there an Applegate farming area district and a town of Applegate? These are things I don't know, is it, among many things. What do I you have know. to do to be a what, what constitutes a corporation? corporation. Yeah. Your own. Your P-card, own. Dave, uh, Paul. Your own Dave, um, zip code. Orange code. Yeah, I don't know exactly. I've never known that, to be honest Because with you. I grew up in Lake Grove. And it wasn't until, I don't know, 25 years ago that Lake Grove got its own actual zip code. But it's not a town. It's a town that's part of Lake Oswego, but I don't know if it's incorporated. See, there you go. See, you don't, you live there and don't, I don't know. Huh. 
for a while, Hacienda Heights, I mean, things can change. I grew up in Hacienda Heights, and for a while I was told it was unincorporated. Now it's its own town where Jared Lucas is from. Yeah, but those places down there, yes. <laughs> you don't even know when you're in a new place. It's literally across the street. <laughs> it does feel that there's way. There's no separation, and there's no, oh, here's Hacienda Heights Main Street. Right, right. but... Mark Vidlack this morning said, we're, pro- we're Applegadians, not Grants Passians. And the articles <laughs> that you read say, kid out of Grants Pass. And he, he set me straight early in our conversation this morning. How far are you from Grants? Where is Hidden Valley compared to Grants? Well, we're not in Grants Pass. You know? <laughs> well, he, so I'm glad we had the conversation. But where he is, I don't think I've ever been. You might have, because what if you take the wrong exit to go get a burger on a drive down there, and you go through he an area, you might go through it. it. He tried to plot it for me by saying, we are kind of between Grants Pass and Medford, about uh-huh. 14 miles west. So I don't know if that's like a, a oh, triangle. That, that would be a long, wrong but turn. 14 miles to the west. Yeah, you'd have to go out of your way to go there. But it sounds gorgeous. Oh, it's beautiful down there. And Hidden Valley's a great school. They, they're always in in state tournament championship games along the applegate river now how quaint and beautiful sounding i'd love to see it there's parts of this state that most of us up here have never been to has anyone listening ever been there four nine seven five three five six we need to break 1240 joe radio Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. Financial investments are very important, but so are the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Oregon State and area high school sports. Call me, Tim Ewis, at 541-758-8245 or stop by my office in the Timber Hill Shopping Complex in Corvallis for all of your investment needs. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Go Beavs. 2020 saw some of Oregon's worst wildfires, and they impacted all of us in different ways. So we wanted to check in with you. How are you holding up? Are you sleeping okay? Are you having a hard time concentrating? Are you feeling anxious or distracted? If so, you're not alone. There's help available for you and the people you love. Through safestrongoregon.org, you can connect to resources to help you cope, understand your emotions, and connect with disaster-related community support. You can also find help for wildfire survivors like you to help you regain a sense of control. Call the Safe and Strong Helpline at 1-800-923-4357. That's 1-800-923-HELP. Or visit us on our website at safestrongoregon.org wildfire to get immediate mental and emotional help. It's free and confidential. Call 1-800-923-4357. That's 1-800-923-HELP. If you're looking for a special gift idea this holiday season, why not a membership at Spring Hill Golf Club? Take advantage of the Winter Golf Membership Special and golf for free this winter. New members won't pay dues until March 2021, and initiation fees to all golf membership categories are waived with a 12-month commitment. Also, check out Spring Hill Golf Club's legacy memberships, which allow two generations of family members to join under the same membership program. Get the golfers in your family a great gift this holiday season. Call for information and visit albany-golf.com. Hey, Beaver fans. Football is back. Over the past several months, we all have come together to help each other in this COVID struggle. But would you know how to help a family member or a coworker in the time of an emergency? Hi, I'm Todd Washington, owner of CPR Works, where we teach people the skills to help someone in the time of an emergency. I'm currently holding both virtual and in-person classes for CPR and first aid. For more information or to schedule a class, contact me at CPR-Works.com. 
Go Beavs. We're back. Pickup, delivery, even curbside. Togo's sandwiches are perfect for any time to take anywhere. This is Chris from Togo's in Corvallis. When you want fresh artisan breads, hand-sliced premium meats piled high, and fresh hand-smashed Haas avocados. Call us and you can even tell us what bread you want and what else you want on it. Spreads, vegetables, and cheeses. Togo's has been serving up big, fresh, meaty sandwiches for over 49 years. Come see us or order online at togos.com. Togo's, true to the sandwich. Your local Qdoba Mexican Eats plays an important role in serving our communities and will continue to provide access to freshly prepared food during this challenging time. While dining rooms are temporarily closed, all of your local Qdoba locations in Salem, Corvallis, Eugene, and throughout Oregon are ready to serve you with their same great flavors, making sure to take all safety precautions out of concern for their dedicated workers and valued customers. For quick and easy takeout ordering, call ahead to your locally owned and operated Qdoba Mexican Eats for curbside pickup. You can also use the app or order online at Qdoba.com. I'm Brett Musburger. Tune in weekdays to the Joe Beaver Show with Mike Parker and John Warren on 1240 Joe Radio. Yes, and you can uh, hear Brent Musburger along with Lincoln Kennedy this afternoon beginning at 445 as the Raiders take on the Chargers. In, in a must-win game for the Raiders. Right? Yes, mm-hmm. and what I also believe is the final Thursday night game uh, of the NFL season. And, you know, if there's any Justin Herbert fans in our midst, you can, you can listen to that as well. Let's go to the phones, Doc, shall we? You yes. put it out there. I knew, we knew we would get the call from truck driver extraordinaire Paul. As extraordinary as he is, it's not a given that he's been through Applegate, but he probably has. Okay, let's take, I'm going to say, Paul, as we welcome you to the show, has never been through Applegate, Oregon. Am I correct? John, you're absolutely right, John. I've never been there. (laughs) I can give you you an idea, though. You guys have both probably been down 199 out of Grants Pass in California, right? Yes. Well, when you leave in Grants Pass, before you get out of Grants Pass, Highway 238 goes south, a little bit south and west towards... The other end of 238 winds up in Jacksonville, so it totally skirts around Medford. Mm. Yeah, the reason, why, the reason why I predicted you'd never been there is because I don't think it's on a main route. If it's 14 miles off I-5, that's a long way. Right, right, yeah. Only if, I, if somebody moved there, that's the only reason I'd go there. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, when I was a mover, but... Yeah, it's a it's very pretty country down there. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. There's a lot of a lot of orchards, a lot of pear orchards down there. And we just received a text from uh, Patrick McLaughlin on the University Honda text line. He says Applegate, just north of Jacksonville, and then it says or or beautiful unincorporated town with several premier wineries. I'm not quite sure what you were trying to communicate there, Patrick, on the or. We also got a text from a fan who simply was fired up. He said, that guy fired me up. Thanks. Go Beavs. I don't know about you, Paul, but I enjoyed listening to a proud dad, but, you know, certainly a guy that's fired up to have his son coming to Oregon State. And it did. You know, I, I'm enthused about seeing what young Sam can do. Right. And I and that's it's a pretty cool deal down there because probably most of those players come from just farm families, you know, and, and it's all rural, so there's actually no city kids there, so uh, it's pretty pretty cool to have a, a guy come out of there that's that high a recruit. Yeah, 14th best uh, 
pro-style quarterback in the country. That's pretty pretty good. Exactly. That's, you know, there's not very many people that come from small programs like that linebacker from Lebanon. Yeah, Keith Brown, Lebanon, four-star. Yep. All right, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, Good to Paul. hear from you. I'm looking at a map that someone uh, Mark. I think Mark Hyken yeah, sent us this. And uh, there's the English Lavender Farm is kind of the big name of the area. But there's not a town listed. No, no. And 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 238 is is Paul was correct on that. And I'm also seeing Eagle Point, Central Point. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are high schools yes. that are you know in the surrounding areas of Medford and Grants Pass, but Medford. That uh, we have seen players come from there and go to Oregon State. We've seen, mm-hmm. um, we've seen players compete from there up at the uh, at Gill Coliseum and in various tournaments. It's fun to see all of that. Mark was telling me there's a young man verbally committed from his baseball program to Mitch Canham's program as well. So that's uh, that's cool to hear. I he, well, I also I also had information here. I don't know how accurate it is that someone in their families thinking of going to the school down the road to play baseball. To play baseball, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. A. Reese, I think, kind of came up with that. Right, big so day. it'll be a split family. Yeah, nah, we'll, we'll do something about that. Okay? <laughs> they, they, they love the Beavers too much. But And thank you, Mark, for the, for the uh, map that does give a good visual, and it also, I think, underscores what Mark Vidlack was saying. He said, if you imagine Grant's Pass in Medford, it's almost a triangle, equidistant, yeah. not yeah. quite. It looks like a little bit closer maybe to Grants Pass than Medford, and hence all of the uh, Hidden Valley, Grants Pass, Hidden Valley, Grants <laughs> Pass, not Hidden Valley, uh, Medford. I love, though, I love that he wanted to stress, we're not in Grants Pass. Right. We're our own community. <laughs> I used to do that with Lake Grove. Right. Well, it's not Lake Oswego. It's Lake Grove. <laughs> we're the Grovers. Hey, Ann Schatz just got back to me. I've been trying to reach out to her to get a perspective of what she sees early. She called the rivalry basketball game the other day. She'll join us at 1230. I've got an invite to Alex Brink as well. We hope he'll join us, but stay with us. The next hour coming. Okay, Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. 1240 Joe Radio. I'm Jim Chesko with Your Money Now. With coronavirus cases continuing to spike and many states tightening related restrictions on businesses, first-time jobless claims rose again last week. The Labor Department says 885,000 Americans applied for benefits, up from 862,000 the previous week. The numbers provide evidence that many employers continue to slash jobs as the pandemic continues. Boeing is hiring up to 160 pilots to be embedded at airlines in its latest bid to ensure its 737 MAX has a smooth comeback after a 20-month safety ban. Reuters says the new global engagement pilots will act as instructors or cockpit observers on 35-day assignments at an equivalent annual salary that could reach $200,000 for a potential cost of $32 million. U.S. stocks remain modestly higher today. The Dow Industrial is up 134 points. The S&P 500 has gained 19, the Nasdaq up 87. Crude oil moved higher again today, too. That's your money now. Innovation. Resilience. Agility. It's how Michigan businesses continue to build the future. Our expertise, talented workforce, and proven adaptability are making a difference now and shaping the future. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org slash radio to put your plans in motion. That's michiganbusiness.org slash radio. Whatever you send through the U.S. Postal Service this season is so much more than mail or packages. 
In every carrier's hands is a card with your handwriting. In every box, on every truck, is your message that you care. We know how much goes into your holiday mail, especially this year, which is why we go the distance to bring you closer. Learn more at usps.com slash It's hard to find something for everyone except at Woodstock's Pizza. Woodstock's Pizza has pizza for all, starting with your choice of four different crust options, including cauliflower and gluten-free. Then choose from six different sauces, including vegan and dairy-free, plus your choice of over 35 fresh toppings. Then choose pickup or delivery. Notice how I keep saying choose and choice? That's because Woodstock's Pizza really is pizza for all. Woodstock's Pizza on Kings Boulevard in Corvallis. Merry Christmas! And from all of us at the Natty Dresser, thank you to our friends and loyal customers for your support. It seems hard to believe, but this is our haberdashery's seventh Christmas. And without you, we wouldn't be here. Please stop by our new location this holiday season and let us help you with your gift giving. You'll find quality men's clothing and accessories. And gift wrapping is always complimentary. Take a break from those big box crowds. Shop the Natty Dresser purveyor of quality menswear, corner of 2nd Broad Alban in historic downtown Albany. Dress well, be confident, find success. Hi, this is Matt Vaskersian with another little-known legend of sports. Hockey fans are certainly familiar with the Zamboni machine that resurfaces the ice between periods of a game, but you probably don't know the circumstances of its invention. Frank Zamboni opened a hockey rink in Southern California, of all places, in 1939, but soon found that resurfacing the ice was a complicated process that required four workers and at least an hour of labor. Zamboni was a natural mechanic, so he set about designing a device that would do all the work in a quarter of the time. He finally created a machine that shaved the ice, swept up the shavings, and laid down a thin layer of water all in one operation. And in 1949, Zamboni patented his ice resurfacer. The next year, legendary skater Sonia Henney saw the Zamboni, ordered one for her national tour, and a business was born. Since then, more than 7,000 Zambonis have been sold in 35 countries worldwide, making its namesake Frank Zamboni a little-known legend of sports. The COVID-19 pandemic continues to weigh on us. While we all feel helpless, remember there is much we can do to protect ourselves, our family and friends, all of us. Simply get in the habit of wearing a mask and maintain six feet of space between yourself and others in public. Wash your hands often and stay home if you feel sick. It takes all of us to combat COVID-19. Go to cdcfoundation.org to learn more. Fever is a leading symptom of the coronavirus, so take your temperature twice a day with the Exergen Temporal Scanner. It's quick and easy to use, and its accuracy is backed by more than 80 clinical studies. Have your family start and end their day with the only home thermometer used and recommended by hospitals, doctors, and nurses. Your family can take their temperatures in seconds to know where they stand in the fight against COVID-19. Protect your family from the spread of this deadly disease and stay safe with Exergen. The following is a production of the Two Docs Broadcasting Network. There is no place like home. Home, where my boxes keep it home. I suppose your name is Smith. Seven, eight, nine. Indeed, Niner Jonathan Smith has come home. Smith sets up, post-corner rock. Smith 
Smith on a shotgun, throws on the post, caught, and on his way in is Robert Prescott. Touchdown, Beavers on the slam. As Jonathan returns, so does the Joe Beaver Show with the familiar names. His name is Mike, Mike Parker. You do know him, don't you? And... But John isn't torment. John isn't Davos or the Red Woman or Stannis for that matter. John is John. And their familiar means of wailing guests. Guess that fellow's number! Get his number! But it's one number... Nine. ...that we rally around as we welcome you to the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. Oh, forgot about that. Forgot about almost everything. Good afternoon, John. No Alex Brink yet. No, no Sean Marino. No Sean Marino. Sean He's Marino is not going to play today. He's out again. Doug Tell got me. caught into that one. That's I did my, too. That's one of my favorite stories too. of all time. Yeah. No Sean What's Marino, no and, Sean and every Marino? week, this guy Doug, never plays. man, he's out every week. They always talk <laughs> about it. He must be pretty, Sean Marino must be pretty good, but he's always out. <laughs> There's two examples of hearing a name or hearing something wrong that you're convinced it's something else. Two examples that I can think of in this world that we live in for you I hope you the and other I. one that you have comes yeah. to life here yeah. in a second. So, so back when we were still at the Hilton Garden Inn, so it was several years back, no, Sean Moreno, wasn't he with Georgia? I think he was a Georgia running back. And every time we would do the tailgate show and we'd go over all this stuff and we hear these updates and, and, and no Sean Moreno and, and Doug, and I, I only half paid attention. Doug tells this story, so I'm not calling him out. No. And I fell under the spell too. And But Doug always laughs about it because he says, hey, what's with this no Sean Moreno? He never plays. Or this Sean Moreno. Once again, no Sean this Moreno. This Sean Moreno never plays. Right. And then just a couple of years ago when Learfield yes. converged with uh, IMG College, I am Gene Collins right. is what someone thought yes. it was. Uh, yeah. How is Mike Parker? The question was, is Parker not doing the games anymore? Well, I think he is. Well, some guy on the radio is always saying, I'm Gene Collins. <laughs> you know, I think the person who asked said he, he sounds a lot like Mike, but his name's Gene Collins. He keeps saying, I am Gene, Gene Collins, Collins. <laughs> which is exactly what that sounds like. Okay. I am Gene Collins. That, those are two good examples. Someday I'm going to say it going to break just for the fun of it. <laughs> you know, we'll, 429 to play, um, time out on the floor. We'll be back. Beavers lead 74 to 70 on the Beaver Sports Network from Learfield. I am Gene Collins. <laughs> I want to now, try that it is someday. a reverse gag to see if the yeah, Learfield Lear, producers what? get it. <laughs> they won't. Mike, what did you say? We, <laughs> we get conditioned to hear yeah. things, and we'll hear them the same way, even if they're said differently. Yes, and I just you know happened to run across a video of this guy <laughs> named Peter Kay, this British comic, and he is so funny, and he did a bit on what certain things sound like in songs which aren't the words oh my gosh and it, it was so funny and you know it's clean but it was just so funny because he goes it sounds like he's saying and then some mm -hmm. weird thing like uh, really really weird made up words and then he played the song bit and there it did and then it's just like she's saying hot dogs not heart goes the uh, right. Celine Dion. My heart goes on. He goes, no, it sounds like she's saying my hot dog goes on. <laughs> then he plays it. And it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Once there you it is. once the power of suggestion is yeah. made, you hear it that way. You can't unhear. And shots will join us at twelve thirty to talk some Oregon State women's basketball from her her knowledgeable uh, and 
firsthand perspective. Uh, she will join us at 1230. In the meantime, we have open phones at 497-5356. If you have any reaction to uh, Mark Vidlack, any reaction to yesterday and recruiting news and the smallish, but I think, again, effective haul for Coach Smith and his staff. If you have any thoughts about yesterday's basketball game, the Beavers digging one out after being down 13 to nothing, had to work pretty hard to come back, take a lead in the first half, relinquish it, trail even by five with 720 to play, but outscore UTSA 27 to 10 to win it. And I noticed, too, on Twitter last night, various feeds, that there's angst in uh, the Blazer fans' world about the Blazer defense not being any better. <laughs> I ran it by uh, Chad, Chad mm-hmm. Dewing, fifth quarter host, friend of the show, this morning. Just I wanted to check it out, and he said, ah, come on, overreaction. It's a preseason game. Yeah. Coach Dots is trying to get the team to understand some new concepts. They will be better defensively because the personnel is better. And yet he did pause and say, however, defense has been a problem throughout the Stotts era, so he doesn't blame fans for having already a bit of nervousness that it's not going to be any better. Any thoughts on that? Feel free to jump in. 497-5356. Open phones until we visit with Ann at 1230. Let's go to Scott on the Downward Dog Sports Line, Downward Dog on Monroe. Good afternoon, Scott. Good afternoon. So hey. I wanted to tell a tale of two football programs. And so the first one, uh, we'll start at 2017, went 2-10, and 5-7, and seven, and now 2-4 and four to be 9-21. and 21. And we all know who that is. That's the Oregon State Beavers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's another football team who, like the Beavers, also hired a former quarterback uh, at their school as their coach and expected good things. And they ended up going 4-8, and 5-7. And now two and five to be eleven and twenty for roughly identical records. Um, who do you think that second program is? Scott Frost, I believe. That's right. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. So, what does this mean? Is that it clearly indicates that hiring Mike Riley is a death knell for your program long term? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I thought it was pretty interesting because they have a lot more resources over there, and they have the whole championship history. And I mm-hmm. listen to their shows and media sometimes when I got some time to kill in the background. Uh, just to see what's going on since I started following up after the whole Riley thing. And it's pretty funny hearing a lot of the same laments. It's like, oh, I can only blame Riley for so long. And <laughs> what's going on here? Is it the program? Is it the coach? If only they would do this. And it's like two different programs with different paths, and you have pretty much the same situation, which I thought was pretty funny. But honestly, I feel a lot better about our situation than their situation. Yeah, and, and if you do check in, I you know, I kind of watch Nebraska from time to time. I saw the end of their game against Minnesota when they found a way to lose it, it seemed, rather than, you know, fi- find a way to win. Uh, what what are the fan base? I mean, is the fan base growing a little bit impatient and exasperated with Scott, or is he such a favored son that that they're not as angry as they were in the Riley era and want to give him more time, or, or are they running out oh. of patience? <laughs> you know, I think it mirrors what's going on at Oregon State a lot. Um, people are seeing the results just aren't. I think Nebraska is a lot more disappointed with the results than Oregon State is, and I think given, you know, where Nebraska expects to be and where it probably should be, given everything they have, versus where Oregon State is right now, then Nebraska's a little more impatient and upset. But I see in both cases, everybody really wants the coach to succeed and really, like, we're not firing him, we're not getting rid of him, you know, we need him to succeed here. 
and you see that a lot more than you saw with, say, Nebraska and Mike Riley for their previous hire, or right. Oregon State and Gary Anderson and uh, mm-hmm. and that previous hire. Mm-hmm. So okay. it's just so parallel. Funny. Yeah, it is interesting. And I do was Mike's final record there, John. Do you know Scott? Was it nineteen and nineteen? Nine, yeah, nineteen and nineteen, yeah. and Scott's <laughs> eleven and nineteen. So they're not similar yet. Yeah, it was, of course, you know, Riley going 500 there. I thought that was the ultimate Riley thing to do. That was a great capper for the college uh, career. Okay, but. Scott, but he's doing better than Frost. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, thanks for the call. Good to hear from you. Thanks. We have open phones at 497-5356 on the Downward Dog Sports Line, the University Honda text line. We're going to go to Dave in a second. I want to share something with Dave that I share with everybody. Here, I understand that Pac-12 fans, that there may be a level of disappointment within our conference about not getting to the who's in category in the Final Four more often, only twice, right, or three times? Wait a minute, let's see. uh, Not USC. Washington and Oregon have been in the Final Four. Yes, yes. And and Chip back in the Final Four playoff. Chip played for the title back in before 10. It was the Final but Four. But in the but Final yeah. Four, only two programs have gotten in. Right. Oregon in fourteen and Washington in sixteen. That's not a great number. I get it. But is it the only thing that matters? That's my question, and I'm serious. I know you know where I kind of come in on this, and we'll get to Dave in a moment. But here is what John Wilner wrote in the hotline. I love John Wilner. But here's what he wrote in the hotline, yeah. and I feel like he, too, as we all are, subject to our conditioners and our grooves and our tracks, and we end up just thinking and feeling a certain way about things, almost a little bit like Dave's talked about, the subconscious tracks that officials and other humans can get on. But here's what Wilner wrote. Quote, USC's playoff chances are less than zero after being ranked number 13 by the committee on Tuesday. If you were perplexed by some of the decisions, so was Sports Illustrated Pat Forty. This is a joke, a bad joke, a bad joke that keeps getting worse the closer we get to Selection Sunday. Wilner says we agree the rankings released Tuesday were the worst in the history of the college football playoff. Now, with no Pac-12 school there, and I don't even know what's so bad about it. That's you, one thing. I'll tell you what happened. Give Cincinnati undefeated at eight and zero or nine and zero. I can't remember. Actually, dropped a spot after I don't know playing and losing. I I don't know why they dropped a spot, but who was it that didn't play? Um, I'd have to re re okay. re up on that one. But what's the upshot of the of saying these are the most ridiculous rankings? Well, ever? everyone was ripping on the rankings okay. this week because of the. In fact, Tim Brando. Uh, is it Tim Brando? There is Tim Brando. Yeah, Tim yeah. Brando went crazy on Twitter and just okay. just said, "This is forget it. I will never call it a college football playoff again. From now on, it is a college football invitational." Okay, uh, because of the notion that you know it's a fair and honest thing because of Cincinnati. Okay, not gotcha. making it in higher than they did with okay. an undefeated record. When one other team, who was it? I'm trying to think. Okay. Lost and then only dropped one spot. I got you. Bill Plaschke, L.A. Times, Trojan Country, wrote this following the rankings release. The Trojans, quote, were doomed from the start, irreparably damaged by their recent history and their conference's incompetency. With a lousy television deal leading to lousy recruiting, leading to lousy football teams, the national perception of the conference has fallen to an all-time low. 
Its football depth is non-existent. Its bumbling commissioner, Larry Scott, is no longer taken seriously, quote-unquote. Well, there will be more on this from Wilner and Canzano and others because Larry Scott, is, according yeah. in the Twitter sphere, has already come out and had his press conference today, and there are already comments on what he had to okay. say today. Now, that said, Dave, Dave, that's the lead-in to you because I think on some level you're I'm not saying you speak out of both sides of your mouth on this, but you would maybe agree with Plasky and the lousy football, lousy recruiting, national perception, all-time low, et cetera. I think I've heard you say things like that. But on the other hand, that all speaks to all that matters is if you're in the Final Four, and if you're not, you have lousy recruiting, lousy TV, lousy this, lousy that. Is it that lousy? Several things, guys. First, it's great to hear Scott calling in regularly again. He's a great caller, and I don't say that just because we agree on a certain topic, but he, but he has, as our friend Jim Rome likes to say, he has a take when he calls. Yes. Se- secondly, you guys might may or may not know this, but the Applegate Trail, after whom the town of Applegate is named, Ends in Rickreal in Dallas. Did you guys know that? No, no, and it comes through our Mid Valley also. Uh, there's an uh, the Applegate Trail, I believe, is is slightly west of town in Corvallis as well. That's correct. The, the Applegate brothers, when they came west on the Oregon Trail, one of their kids drowned in the Columbia River, and after they settled, they determined to, to establish a safer route to the Willamette Valley which was the Great Basin route, uh, largely put. And, uh, and so uh, uh, that's uh, what's later be- it was a, a primary emigrant route, but it did become a shortcut to the California gold fields uh, in due course. Okay. Uh, Applegate, I think, first came west in 43, and they blazed the trail later, and, of course, the gold rush was in 49. Thank to you for that. your point, finally, Mike, thank you for your forbearance. And this actually addresses something, John. I don't know if you've had your interview with uh, Larry Scott yet, but but there's a there's a seed uh, of an opportunity here. Um, the, I completely agree with the analysis. The college football playoff is dead. The commissioner of the Ameri- the AAC, is that the American Athletic Conference? Yes. He said we ought to go back to the BCS. Yeah. It was fairer and more forthright than this charade for a play. That's a direct quote that we have for a playoff system today. Because it's the same thing, guys. It's the look. It's the, it's the eye test. It's the body of work. It's the same crap, pardon my language, <laughs> that the pollsters used to use when they would do the lineup at the end of the year. Nothing has changed. And even worse, guys, because it's the eye test, it's the body of the work, it's TV exposure, it's the same damn four teams. Every How many times do we want to see a playoff with Alabama, Clemson, <laughs> Notre Dame, and, 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 and pick one other school just to create the pretense? Yeah. And I use that word advisedly of having a playoff. So it's a travesty. We'd be better off sincerely going, and this is the question you ought to ask, Larry Scott, John, I, I presume this opportunity is still in front of us. Twofold question. How is this per Plasky? How are we going to take advantage of CBS losing the SEC contract so that we have games uh, of national stature at a, uh, with a national audience 
And if they need to kick off at 10 a.m. in Colorado and Utah, so be it. I'm not an advocate for 9 a.m. games in the Pacific time zone, but there's no reason at certain times of the year you can't have games in the mountain states, and that mm-hmm. would include Arizona after the end of the daylight saving mm-hmm. time, where you have games kick off in those states at 10 a.m. on CBS, and we get local time of the 12 in the east, 9 here, and we get that national exposure. And so that is the question you need to put to Larry Scott, along with the, the, the preface being, now that it's generally, and I'm putting words in your mouth, John, please forgive me, now that it's generally acknowledged that the Pac-12 TV um, uh, uh, package is a failure, what do you think, Commissioner Scott, about the conference's chance of being able to line up a national contract with CBS? Dave, yeah, thank you, sir. Thanks Good for stuff. the Applegate Trail stuff, yes, too, and, and everything he's, by else. The way, he's the foremost authority, so believe now, I got We'll take a break on that note, and John will address some of the things you brought up when we come back. All of that to say, though, and Dave, Dave like I said, he, he's divided in his heart on this one because he does not like the ESPNization of the world with the who's in narrative that begins every year, and that's all that matters, who's in. Yeah. But these co- the comments by Plasky himself reduce college football to that and says, and maybe you all agree with Plasky, that's fine if you do, that, quote, lousy television deal, lousy recruiting, lousy football teams. Okay, I guess that's a – listen, I, I get tired of that because you're all – College football has been reduced because of the conditioners to tell us all that matters is to be in the CFP or to be in the conversation. The Pac-12's last hope is this. The smile on Linda Cohn's face when he said, hey, in the rivalry game up in Corvallis today, Oregon State upsets Oregon. Jim Morris starts to smile because he's going to talk about that's a tough place to play. That's a good Beaver football team. That's a great rivalry. I know that. It's a, and all she said was, Linda, and so when she gets to that game, yeah. she says, Jim, is the Pac-12's hopes, are they dead for the CFP? That's all that seems to matter, and that drives me nuts because a lot more matters in college football than that stupid CFP thing. Back after this on 1240 Joe Radio. For auto glass solutions, better call a glass man. Call 541. 541- 760 Call the Glassman. Hi, this is Jake the Glassman. Come see me at my new location at 3335 Ferry Street Southwest in Albany or give me a call. For Auto Glass Solutions, better call the Glassman. Call 541-760-2277. Call the Glassman. Give a hobby this holiday season from Trump's Hobbies. At Trump's, you'll find the latest in RC cars, trucks, helicopters, boats, and planes, plus model trains and games, plastic models, collector cards, and modeling tools. Trump's is a full-line old-fashioned hobby shop, the kind of store that you don't see much of anymore. They've been serving the area since 1972. Stop by during the Timber Hill Shopping Center in Corvallis. Trump's Hobbies, bringing enjoyment to life. 2020 saw some of Oregon's worst wildfires, which have impacted all of us. How are you holding up? Are you sleeping okay? 
There's help available for you and the people you love. Through the Safe and Strong Helpline, you can connect to resources and regain a sense of control. Call 1-800-923-4357 or visit safestrongoregon.org slash wildfire to get immediate mental and emotional help. It's free and confidential. That's 1-800-923-HELP. Pickup, delivery, even curbside. Togo's sandwiches are perfect for any time to take anywhere. This is Chris from Togo's in Corvallis. When you want fresh artisan breads, hand-sliced premium meats piled high, and fresh hand-smashed Haas avocados, call us and you can even tell us what bread you want and what else you want on it. Spreads, vegetables, and cheeses. Togo's has been serving up big, fresh, meaty sandwiches for over 49 years. Come see us or order online at togos.com. Togos, true to the sandwich. Tick Liquor Firearms in South Corvallis and Salem is open Monday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. At Tick Liquor Firearms, find guns, outdoor gear, guns, ammo, and more guns. Buy, sell, or trade new and used. Tick Liquor also offers consignment and layaway options. Also, ask about their monthly CHL classes. Come check out Tick Liquor Firearms on Southwest 3rd and Corvallis and on Southeast Commercial in Salem. View their inventory and shop online at TickLiquorFirearms.com. Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. Financial investments are very important, but so are the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Oregon State and area high school sports. Call me, Tim Ewis, at 541-758-8245 or stop by my office in the Timber Hill Shopping Complex in Corvallis for all of your investment needs. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Go Beavs. Need the extra break. Good, good. So it, Larry's on now or it's over or or has he already had his yeah, deal? Yeah, they had it while we were on the air, okay. so I didn't get to play uh, participate. Okay. But good questions for Dave, good points to make. A couple of follow-ups. Dave, talking about the AAC commissioner, uh, American Athletic Conference Commissioner Michael Oresco strongly criticized the college football playoff selection committee for dropping undefeated Cincinnati one spot. And Andy, by the way, wrote in, it was LSU's win upset over Florida when this should have never happened. So Florida goes down, loses for the first time, drops one spot, and or doesn't drop at all, and, and, and uh, Cincinnati drops and, and doesn't get to move. And, and he says, during the interview Wednesday uh, with the SEC's network's Paul Feinbaum show, Oresco said the, the CFP selection committee needs to do some soul searching and it's undermining his credibility with rankings that defy logic and common sense and fairness. He says, I never thought I'd say it, but if this continues, bring back the BCS and the computers because it would have been a fairer system than the one I'm seeing now. This is the seventh year of the CFP and it does uh, and it does appear the deck is stacked against us and against other group of five teams and he's talking about the eight and O number nine Bearcats they dropped one yeah. spot in each yeah. of the past two rankings uh, whereas um, you know other teams that already have a loss or are, 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 are moving up it's it's ridiculous it does feel ridiculous it does feel since it is four and here's 
Daryl has written in, if the college football playoff on the University Honda text line, if the college football playoff was expanded to eight teams with each of the Power Five conference champions going, that would leave three at-large bids in the case of this year. He would have Cincinnati included in that formula, and the Pac-12 champion would go as well. There would be some arguments he follows up about 9, 10, and 11 being left out, but at least it would represent each conference and wouldn't be the same teams every year, as Dave stated. I heard our friend Steve Tannen from down the road saying, he, he's, there's, you know, we talk about fatigue. I think there's Clemson, Alabama, CFP yeah. fatigue. Yeah. Now, that's not their fault. You know, no. You're not going to say, well, people are tired of seeing us. We think we'll go to something else. I mean, of course not. If you win, you win. But on the other hand, Doc, what I'm saying is the something else Back in the BCS day, when Boise State crashed the party and got mm-hmm. in and beat Oklahoma, mm-hmm. that game is still <clears throat> celebrated as one of the landmark events in the 21st century for college football and for the group of five of the smaller schools, the smaller right. conferences to go do that. Well, and there but was it, and less disappointment. It's not like Boise State was saying at the end of that, man, we we ought to be able to play for that national championship thing. Maybe there were people arguing on that behalf, but I still don't think the playoff. I think the game was better. Uh, you talk about bring back the BCS. We yeah. long and have nostalgia for that. Throw that away. Go back to go back to your in a sense regional championships. Bowl games that feed regions, and then everybody arguing over the offseason about a mythical national title. If two teams went 12-0, and 91 Huskies, 91 Hurricanes, that's good enough for me. I, they shared a national title. This desire, got to settle it on the field, got to settle it on the field, all created by ESPN and Sports Talk Radio. I, I know we're never going back, so I'm fighting forever against windmills in a losing battle, but I still say college football was healthier than... In terms of regional interest, local interest in your team, then this idea that if you're not, if our conference, if we don't have somebody in the CFP, then it's just a failure in all ways. I just don't believe that. I think the only way that we could have merged the modern with the old is if the Rose Bowl didn't give in and become a part of it. That way we could always say we can always get to the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl is always That's there, true, but it's not but because it's, it's part of the playoffs. Yeah, it has year. to be, though. The Rose Bowl had to capitulate because of the – they just had to because it would be used against you in recruiting. You can't play – oh, you go to the Pac-10 or the Big Ten, or you can't play for the national title. Well, you could still play for it, but the Rose Bowl would be sitting there by itself, not a part of it. But the, the, the champion from the – the conference could get invited to a Final Four, and then the next in line would go to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, okay, they could have written as it is right now, way. except for that fourth year when the Rose Bowl is back a part of the the playoff, <laughs> which it is this year. All I'm saying, Doc, is, and I've said it way too many times. We'll break and we'll shift gears and talk with Ann Schatz in a moment about women's hoops and the powerful Pac-12. They don't have a problem in the Pac-12 when it comes to perception, reality. Greatness of teams. There's a bunch of them. It's a health, very healthy time, and that includes Oregon State. Recent, you know, struggles notwithstanding. We'll talk to Ann, get her perspective. But, gosh, I just remember. I remember with great fondness, and it's just, I suppose, the 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 nostalgic, and and not just nostalgic, John. There was a run in the '90s 
that I think back fondly to where the Rose Bowl meant everything oh, yeah. to programs that hadn't been for so long. Wisconsin in three, Oregon in four, Northwestern in 95, mm. Arizona State in 96, Washington State in 97. Mm. I remember just the glory and the joy of the idea. All of those schools were going. We're going to the Grand. Mm -hmm. But those days are long gone, and I don't think that's better for college football, period. I just don't. We break, we come back with Ann Schatz on 1240 Joe Radio. Stargazer Premier Florist in Corvallis knows that the holiday season is a special time with special meaning. That's why during these unprecedented times, Stargazer is providing contactless deliveries with a focus on keeping families and friends connected and safe during the holidays. Choose from Stargazer Premier Florist's wide selection of fresh floral arrangements, gift baskets, and houseplants. Stop in, call, or view Stargazer's selection online at StargazerPremierFlorist.com. Stargazer Premier Flores, 925 Northwest Circle Boulevard, Corvallis. This is Mike Parker for Evenflow Plumbing, your trusted award-winning plumber for the Mid-Valley. Evenflow specializes in complete plumbing and drain cleaning solutions for residential and commercial jobs. They treat your home like it's their home, and their flat rate pricing means no surprises at the end of the job. Evenflow takes pride in doing the job right the first time. Just call 541-738-8853 for all your plumbing needs. When you need a pro, go with the flow. Evenflow Plumbing. Paying too much on your taxes? Is your tax return not as profitable as it should be? At Tax and Wealth Management, they can help because that's what they do. They work with individuals and business owners to lower your taxes, increase your profit, and manage your cash flow. Nobody locally puts more time and money into continuing education, and that benefits their clients. Call 541-753-4185 for a free consultation. There's no obligation, so what have you got to lose? That's 753-4185. Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, your hometown tax team. Merry Christmas! And from all of us at the Natty Dresser, thank you to our friends and loyal customers for your support. It seems hard to believe, but this is our haberdashery's seventh Christmas. And without you, we wouldn't be here. Please stop by our new location this holiday season and let us help you with your gift giving. You'll find quality men's clothing and accessories. And gift wrapping is always complimentary. Take a break from those big box crowds. Shop the Natty Dresser purveyor of quality menswear, corner of 2nd Broad Alban in historic downtown Albany. Dress well, be confident, find success. Give a hobby this holiday season from Trump's Hobbies. At Trump's, you'll find the latest in RC cars, trucks, helicopters, boats, and planes, plus model trains and games, plastic models, collector cards, and modeling tools. Trump's is a full-line old-fashioned hobby shop the kind of store that you don't see much of anymore. They've been serving the area since 1972. Stop by during the Timber Hill Shopping Center in Corvallis. Trump's Hobbies, bringing enjoyment to life. Angry Beaver Grill is open for dine-in and carry-out Tuesdays through Fridays at 3 p.m., Saturdays beginning at noon, and Sundays for breakfast beginning at 9.30, with happy hour specials daily from 3 to 5. Take in the Beavers, every Pac-12 game, and NFL Sunday ticket on Angry Beaver's 22 big screens every weekend. Try all the Angry Beaver favorites, including their Reuben and French dip sandwiches, the Gables recipe chicken bisque soup, and garlic croutons. And don't miss Angry Beaver's salmon and prime rib dinners every Friday. Support local at Angry Beaver Grill on 4th Street in downtown Corvallis. 
We are visiting about many things, and I, there's nothing that can get me worked up quite as much, not as an injustice for Cincinnati. I feel bad for Cincinnati. They shouldn't. You, you, no, don't, I do. Don't I gloss do. over, because that could be Oregon State. Well, no, I know. Of course, we're not a group five. No. What are they in, the AAC? I believe so, yeah. Okay, they're group five then. But all of it to say, Doc, I... We've moved a long way away from, and I remember those days that the joy of those schools I listed going was everything. You know, and now, now instead you have, yeah, we've been to that thing before. Ah, we're it just it wearies me because the game has been diminished. College football has been diminished, not enhanced, in my opinion. Well, the money, yeah, you can talk about the money, and that's important. I get it. But I'm just saying when when today the haranguing and the hand-wringing and the argument is all about who got in and who got left out without much concern about trying to win your conference and go to your bowl game, I just feel like that diminishes the overall game of college football when teams going to the Orange and the Sugar and the Rose and the Fiesta and the Cotton and other great traditional games. Yeah, gosh, we just it's stacked against us. We can't. That line of thinking is all created by ESPN and talk show hosts and radio. It's the CFP that is all that matters. It's not. It just isn't. And, well, if you had a better team and winning more games and you were on the fringe of the conversation, you'd think differently. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, if somebody said someday Jonathan has a team that can get into the conversation, I'll be excited about it. Yeah, I'll get it. Yeah. But I'm not going to, I just, I'm not going to fall into, in my view of the sport, we'll bring in Ann Schatz, who's seen all of these evolutions. We're here to talk basketball. And I don't know, but we'll get to civil uh, rivalry game basketball in a moment in the Pac 12. But since we've been kind of exercised by all of this, I don't know how much you are, <laughs> how much you pay attention to. The CFP in the college football playoff, my I'm just saying as a longtime fan of the sport, a longtime fan, I'm not that exercise or concerned about who's in and who's not. The Rose Bowl, the, the games that you get a chance to play in with the pageantry and all of that, 2020 aside, is still to me what makes college football great, not who gets in the Final Four. Well, I'm with you, and, and so – and, and I, I'm not sure where John stands because I'm kind of late to the conversation, but I heard the last 20 seconds. And, you know, uh, I'm old school, and, and Mike, you know, I, I, and I mean this uh, as an ultimate compliment, you're, you're ultimate <laughs> old school. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's uh, what's missing to me in, in how we go about our quote-unquote sports business these days because sports have, have uh, become a business and um, that saddens me to no end. Yeah. So when some of those bowl games that you just referenced are diminished because you're not in the top four, I mean, that, that just, that, I just shake my head. I just shake my head, and it, makes, it really makes me sad as right. to where yeah. our priorities are and, and the, the stark line in the sand where if you're not one, two, three, four, your season was, what, nothing? Meaningless? Right. Come on. Or a disappointment and an embarrassment. And so the Pac-12 the Pac-12 yeah. is constantly battered because it's only had two teams represented in the Final Four era, Oregon and Washington, and nobody else has mm-hmm. been in. I get, I get on a national perception and stage that's 
quote, not a good look, the optics aren't good, and the league can thus be d- dismissed as irrelevant, a non-factor. But it's, to me, that misses the point of the games week in and week out on the campuses in Tucson and, and Corvallis and Pullman and Seattle and Eugene and everywhere else where the games mean a great deal to our community, whether we're playing to get into the CFP or not. And it, it just strikes me as we're being conditioned to think that all that matters is if you're in the conversation for the CFP. And I, I despise that. I despise it. So do I. So do I. I think it's, I think it's absolute nonsense. And all this, this, uh, this rhetoric, the, the, the out-of-both-sides-of-the-mouth rhetoric about, you know, we're in it for the experience for these men and women. And we want them to have that entire experience of, of, of those, those home games or the big road game or the camaraderie together, what you accomplish at a practice, in a single practice uh, mm-hmm. that translates onto the field, onto the court, whatever. Um, and the fact that that's just what just we shake our head and say, nah, nah. Because of the optics, optics, my eye, I, 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 it just it makes me nuts. And when I hear your voice raise a little bit, because I don't very often, when I hear you passionate like this about this, that makes me very, very happy. Because there are a lot of folks who listen to you guys with good reason, and uh, this is one of them. And if, if we lose sight of why we're playing. And for whom we're playing, uh, it's a very slippery, scary slope, and we're going down it. And that's a rabbit hole you don't climb out of easily or quickly, in my opinion. Well, you're only hearing what Mike is saying now. Prior to going to break and calling you, he went on an epic (laughs) rant. I mean, it was was golden. And I, I haven't had a chance to say, and I hesitate to, that I agree 100%. And the only reason why I hesitate is because we don't want to be known as the old fogey show. But is it old fogey as a man to want what was yeah. once good? Old fogey, forget that, John. Yeah. Listen, you guys, you guys, you guys are, are speaking from your hearts and from your heads, and that's a wonderful cocktail, instead of looking at your bank accounts. And this has nothing to, when I say old school, what I mean is just re- remembering the notion of why we're playing. And that is not sometimes a great notion. It's always a great notion as to why we're playing. And, and these kids that we uh, say that we are, quote, unquote, uh, behind and serving and setting up for uh, the realities of life by these wonderful experiences on the field and in the classroom. And if you're going to tell me that that is identified only by how fast you rise or where you land in a top-four ranking uh, with computers spitting stuff out, guys in suits in offices that don't have any idea what we're talking about, then baloney. And that just makes me nuts. And thank you for weighing in on that. We we called to talk of uh, Pac-10 oh, yeah. or Pac-12 oh, yeah. <laughs> women's hoops, and we'll get to that in a moment. But 
But even, you know, the last game you called for Oregon State was the rivalry game against Oregon. It didn't go the way the Beavers wanted it. But even thinking about the rivalry game that occurred in football recently at Reeser Stadium, that's what mm-hmm. the, these experiences are about. The Beavers Heck win yeah. that 41-38, to 38, and the narrative coming out of it on the national level is, well, uh, Oregon's out, the Pac-12's out, there's no chance left for the Pac-12 to get into that CFP, missing the mm-hmm. whole point of what that win meant to the community of Beaver Nation, to Jonathan Smith, to the players, to Chance Nolan, to Tristan Jebbia, to Jamar Jefferson and everybody else, when the national narrative becomes, well, the Pac-12's doomed now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm with you, and, and screw that too. Um, <laughs> because Because to me, that victory, I had no skin in that game whatsoever. Uh, but to me, that victory was great for the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. As great as it was for your community, your team, your athletes, your coaching staff that, you know, gets, you know, gets back of the, you know, backseat, you know, mantras all the time. Mm-hmm. That's great for everybody in Corvallis. But it was good for the conference, fellas. It was good for the conference. It's good for recruiting. It's great for the rivalry. I don't. I don't give a rat's patootie about what some blowhard on whatever coast is talking about in terms of. Well, there goes the Pac-12 again. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, good they're not for looking you. Looking at the intricacies and the invaluable in experience that was for a group of young men and women, um, who, all who are involved, whether it's trainers or yes. whomever, all the way up to the top. Great win. And I, again, I don't care. Right. I don't. Right. It was a great win for you guys and for the conference, as far as I'm concerned. Thank you for saying that. Now, you had no skin in the game in the last game that you called in the rivalry basketball game. But you called it, and you saw a pretty dominant performance by a very yeah. good team in, in Oregon, winning by 20, and the Beavers have lost two in a row. And mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, you know, we, we, We've been so spoiled and so accustomed to what Scott and his coaches and players and program have given to the community. Again, speaking of how Beaver Nation has reveled in the rise of this program, what are your thoughts about kind of what's happening now? Does it feel like a transition year? I mean, what are your thoughts about that game specifically, but just sort of the big picture look for Scott and this team going forward? Yeah, it was it was something to behold, uh, fellas. It really it really was, and you know it's interesting that. Because I have such a huge affection for both of the coaches and for these teams, I've got equal skin in the game. Mm-hmm. I really care about both of these teams and programs. So it's an interesting vantage point, up and back, if you will. I mean, literally and figuratively, in terms of where we call the games from now, with COVID protocols in place. But Oregon uh, trailed to nothing, and then that was that. Mm-hmm. They just went on a, a, a rant and a run, and they were as dominant as I've seen them uh, the first three quarters, and, but, but this game was over at halftime. Their depth is something else, and, and you can talk about missing the big three from Oregon's lineup, uh, Yonescu, Ruby mm-hmm. Hebert, Satu Sabli, but you know this is the number one recruiting class coming in for Kelly Graves and Oregon plus a couple of transfers, folks that are healthy from injuries that are now wearing the Oregon gear, and it was too much for an Oregon State club. That said, that said, 
you have the luxury of watching the body language of Scotty on the bench, the the his staff, the kids on the bench, and and the kids on the floor, the the, the young women on the floor, and they just battled, battled, battled. They won the fourth quarter, and that's the first time Oregon has lost a quarter this year. So the Beavers win the fourth quarter, and if you don't think that's important, then you don't know basketball. Because body language would tell you, especially with some of these freshmen, ah, that's it, whatever. And they never stop battling. You've got you've got reasons in this in this season that is rebuilding and restructuring and crazy because of COVID. You have reasons to be hopeful, um, real valid reasons, and not just because you know you want to pull for, for for the the orange and black. You know, last year you guys when when Kennedy Brown blows out her ACL. Mm. Let's remember this. Oregon State proceeds to lose four straight games. People are jumping off buildings. People are are saying, we're done. We're doomed. And and Scott got them back on track. They finished the regular season strongly. They win the first game of the Pac-12 tournament. They're going to the NCAAs had COVID not hit. So let's let's all pump the, oh my gosh, (laughs) we're doomed breaks. And let Scott do his thing. Yeah, I agree. And I was going to bring up Kennedy Brown. I mean, they're they're not a full strength, even though they are as far as the season goes and when someone is sitting out a year. But, you know, it's a different story with her. And you're right in the way that they ended last season. It it was right back on the uptick. Oregon was hot and was going to, you know, be the team that perhaps, you know, hosted in the regionals and who knows, goes on the win, the whole thing. Okay, fine. But Oregon State quietly was really hot when things when the the rug got pulled out from under everybody in uh right at tournament time but this year's team no kennedy brown a few other th- things so it's not quite the i don't no. think the five on the floor that scott was thinking would be and and wants well y- yes and no okay so you know you got to you know i'm not going to pretend that Dustin Slocum didn't leave the team um, didn't go to Arkansas for whatever reason. So you got to mention her, even mm-hmm. though you're, you, you hate to, to think about what this team could have been like with Slocum. Well, she's gone. Pivik is gone. Kennedy Brown yet to suit up. Huge holes. Huge holes. But, but you've got Corsdale back, and she and Goodman will figure things out in the backcourt. This go-forth kid from Arkansas is going to be really good and Samuel, I think the other freshman, is going to help. Um, you got six nine and Mitrovic. She's going to keep getting better and better. And six nine is six nine. Last time I checked. Yeah. And yeah. you know, and, and and if you've got Taylor Jones continuing to improve, which she is, her body language was terrific against Oregon. Terrific, and she just kept battling, and that stuff counts. So. Yeah, you, you know, Oregon State defensively isn't doing what it normally does. It's given up way too many points. That's where that, you know, startling to me, all the threes that have been given up by yeah. the Oregon State defense, all the points that have been given up by the Beaver defense. That just doesn't happen on Scott's watch. So that will be corrected. They'll get those scores down into manageable digits, and, and more wins are coming. That's That's how I figure it. And shots joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show for a few more minutes. I like your confidence in declaring just flat out, 
that will be corrected. That's a nice sentence because I believe that. The track record is is long enough and solid enough that you're right, and I believe that. And I, I do think on a certain level, and I said on this show earlier in the week, that Scott and his staff may do their best coaching job ever this year with his group to bring them along because those defensive numbers are out of whack. It's not what we're used to seeing. Right. But I, if ever a staff and a coach will get things corrected, don't we have reason to believe that this, this group, the group of players and coaches, will figure that out? Yes, I, I believe so, Mike. I don't think Scott's never given you a reason not to think that way. I'm not saying he's a, this is a Final Four team, Sweet mm-hmm. 16 team. I'm not saying that at all. But in terms of defense, so they, you know, every team had to go from zero to sixty in a hurry with this really goofy, crazy, you know, start the conference the earliest ever yeah. season. I mean, this is nuts. He's trying to ram stuff into a lot of these newcomers. He's trying to ram at home in, in, in short order. And he understands that it's going to take a while. And that's where Oregon State fans really, if, if ever, they're going to just say, let's all calm down. It's now. Check back in a month and then check back in the middle of February. And I'm going to imagine that giving up 80 and 85 points and 15 threes in a game is, is in the rearview mirror. And Shotch joining us. Uh, we're short on time. I want to get this last question in. <clears throat> yep. Doesn't mean it has to be a short answer, but <laughs> here's my question. Why is Tara Vandeveer great? In other words, mm-hmm. you, you can't just default and say, well, she's the coach at an, at an institution that every kid's going to say yes to. <laughs> Why is she so great? She is now the winningest women's coach, but I thought when Pat Summit got her record, she was the all-time winningest coach of men and women, but that's not been in the literature this week. Is it men and women or just women with those 1,099 victories for Tara? Well, let me, let me, let me check and get back because I've read some conflicting things, Yeah. but the bottom line is uh, Tara is the kind of coach where, where when, when I say if I had children, I would want my children to play for her, uh, and not just because of the wins and the accolades, but, but the, the whole mind, body, spirit. I've never seen a coach that has cared about those things with each and every one of her athletes and staff the way that Tara does. And nobody understands big picture and the good of the game like Tara Vanderveer. Nobody. She is as happy um, when other teams in the conference win as when her own club does because she understands the greater good, and that's her to her core. In terms of her wit, in terms of her X and O's expertise, in terms of how she understands how to get the best out of each individual, she stands alone. And to be on the same field, or excuse me, same court with her, there aren't very many. You guys probably have folks you can say this about, but I still get the chills when I am talking to her because I know that when I put my head on the pillow, there's nobody better. And she is the classiest coach I have ever talked to, been around, experienced in my life. 
Wow. You know, we're going to have Jocelyn Tinkle on the show tomorrow who went to three Final Fours with her, and Jocelyn's perspective is very good on so many things. She's starting to kind of break her way into the broadcasting world at Tara's uh, kind of prodding. Tara said, Jocelyn, you ought to do this. So Jocelyn worked a game the other night on the bluff and as an analyst for the Portland Pilots playing College of Idaho. She's good at it. She'll be good at anything she puts her hand to. But we look forward to Jocelyn's perspective tomorrow on Coach Vanderveer's accomplishment. And we, you know, you know that'll be a good conversation. Oh, man. Yeah. And Joss did a great job the other day. Uh, uh, welcome to the, the, the headset bunch, uh, Miss Tinkle, because you, you're, you're going to be a good one, and you'll get great stuff from her. Gosh, how about some the inside stuff she's going to provide? Lord have mercy. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's good. We look forward to it, Ann, and we always enjoy visiting with you. Thank you for sharing things even off the original <laughs> subject matter that I inquired about, but we appreciated it and always appreciate your work. What's next for you? What do you have next? Well, I'm 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 going nuts because I don't have any games this weekend because you guys are out of town, uh, but I've got a Portland Pilot men's game uh, against Montana State next week, so I'm really looking forward to that. We'll see how Terry and the lads do in Eugene this weekend, but I've got those guys on the block early okay. next week. Excellent, Ann. Great to talk to you. Thanks for making time for us. Thanks, fellas. Anytime. And shots our guests. Let's take a final break. We do have Joss tomorrow as well as Caleb Sperry, Henry Buckles, high school coach from Hood River Valley High. That's tomorrow. We've got another segment. We'll wrap things up next on 1240 Joe Radio. Let's be honest. You love it when their eyes light up after they open your gift. It's their delighted reaction that tells you that you nailed it. The Inkwell Home Store will help you find that perfect gift. And while you're there, check out the Inkwell's huge selection of fun stocking stuffers. But if you can't decide, an Inkwell gift card is always a great idea. The Inkwell Home Store on 3rd Street, downtown Corvallis. Always something different. Always something good. Inkwell Home Store feels like home. Middleton Heating has been here helping you for over 71 years, 24 hours a day. Middleton can repair, replace, or maintain all types of heating and cooling equipment. Heating unit troubling you? Need repairs or replacement? Give Middleton Heating a call. For new equipment, Middleton offers several financing options and participates in state, federal, and manufacturer incentive programs. Don't forget Middleton's custom sheet metal shop is still taking orders, large or small. You can count on Middleton for all your heating, cooling, and sheet metal needs online at middletonheating.net don't miss the holiday sale at donabella fine lingerie on now with 20 percent off all robes sleepwear and jewelry donabella is holiday at its best start the season with great savings on stocking stuffers and holiday luxury for that special lady in your life we offer gift certificates and great advice we gift wrap for free to make your holiday shopping easy Don't miss the holiday sale at Donabella Fine Lingerie on now with 20% off all robes, sleepwear, and jewelry on 2nd Street in downtown Corvallis. Experience the incredible flavors of India at Evergreen Indian Restaurant. 
Enjoy gourmet made-to-order Indian cuisine using traditional recipes and fresh spices, including dinner entrees and tandoori specials. Evergreen Indian Restaurant is open for dinner 4.30 to 9 p.m. daily, except on Tuesdays, with carry-out, curbside pickup, and delivery options all available. Order online and view the menu at evergreenindianrestaurant.com on Southwest 3rd in downtown Corvallis and on West 7th in Eugene. Get a taste of India at Evergreen Indian Restaurant. Paying too much on your taxes? Is your tax return not as profitable as it should be? At Tax and Wealth Management, they can help because that's what they do. They work with individuals and business owners to lower your taxes, increase your profit, and manage your cash flow. Nobody locally puts more time and money into continuing education, and that benefits their clients. Call 541-753-4185 for a free consultation. There's no obligation, so what have you got to lose? That's 753-4185. Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, your hometown tax team. Ace Buyers Pawn and Gun Shop is open. Get some extra holiday cash and find holiday gift deals at great prices at Ace Buyers Pawn Shop in Albany. Get cash for guns, tools, jewelry, TVs, laptops, video games, movies, guitars, and more. Pick up some extra cash for the holidays and find great deals on what you want or need at Ace Buyers. Open 10 to 6 weekdays and 10 to 5 Saturdays on Sandy M Highway in Albany. Pawn, buy, sell, or trade this holiday season at family-friendly Ace Buyers, located at 2846. Caniam Highway in Albany. Ho, ho, ho. Help Santa deliver your gifts to family and friends with Postal Connections in Albany, now under new ownership. Albany's Postal Connections enjoys helping the local community with their shipping and packing needs, large or small, and even handles international shipping. Postal Connections in the Fred Meyer Shopping Center without the weight or lines of the post office. Postal Connections is your one-stop shop for all your shipping needs with a wide selection of packaging materials. Head to Postal Connections to make sure your gifts arrive on time. Thank you. Okay, less than a minute uh, here in the program. Is that less today. than a minute well, now? About hey, you know, we're going to visit with Warith Alatiche yes. after the show, and that'll and be have up a later podcast. Today. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to visiting with him. He has an interesting story. Even his name, it's an interesting name. Have you had Wall a chance Reef. to meet him? I have not. This will be our, yeah, this our chance to get to know him COVID a little bit. thing has kept us from right. a lot of one-on-ones face-to-face. Absolutely. We go over to often to the practice center mm-hmm. and have a media day mm-hmm. and talk to almost all the players. But we've not met or seen no, any of these that's, guys. That's essential. I've met Maurice Kalou. That's about you have? it. Okay. And I like his game, too. I still like this team and its length and its athleticism. Warreath at the head of it had a stretch of play mm-hmm. yesterday that was really inspiring. He'll be our podcast guest. Thanks for all the texts and all the interaction. We'll see you tomorrow right back here. All set, please. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. 1240 Joe Radio.